0: You are mine, you shall be mine, and you and I are one forever.
1: Domination as a theme exists throughout vampiric mythos. One could even claim it dominates a majority of our known tales concerning vampires. Their ability to seduce, not through physical attraction but through sheer charisma, provides a demonstration of their domination over another. This absolute control, presented as stemming from a sense of overwhelming power emanating from within, more than a simple physical attraction, extends over not just their victims, but to a large extent, their world. A vampire's ability to transform into a number of shapes allows them to become whatever they wish, a literal manipulation of reality around themselves in another portrayal of domination. Countess Karnstein, known to most as Carmilla, stands as an influential literary figure in vampiric legends. So what does Countess Karnstein's legend have to do with Destiny? There exists within the game a piece of armor, the Karnstein Armlets. Thus, we have our initial connection. From here, one can then ask how an abusive relationship as detailed in Carmilla's tale transfers into an item of beneficial cooperation as seen in Destiny. Warning here, this particular episode will delve into mature concepts not suitable for our younger listeners. Please preview this episode before listening with younger ears present. This episode serves as an initiation of a discussion on myths and other sources of potential inspirations to items within games such as Destiny. These items, in many cases, serve as a means of artistic expression or styling for game developers, though some operate as catalysts for various story components. While these tend to be minor tales in scope of a campaign-level narrative, exploration of these links provide us with opportunities to learn and grow. All myths stem from an oral tradition and so have many versions. Due to this broad spectrum, variations discussed here may not be familiar. We curated versions here to provide not only entertainment but also supplemental details into our research of traditions and customs from various cultures. I'm Blue Crew 86, and this is a Focused Fire Chat Snapshot. Created by an unknown light bearer to assist her in her search for her wife from her first life, the Karnstein armlets have installed within them a neuromech trawl. This component allows for scouring of, quote, whatever mind it touches for any hint, end quote, of her beloved, provided such a memory exists within the victim's mind, and that the parameters provided are accurate. This provides an interesting qualifier given our knowledge of the state, or, well, lack thereof, of all memories from Arisen's first life. In addition, one must keep in mind, especially given the connotation provided by these armlets' namesakes, the overarching question. Does everything which has been lost want to be found? For context, here's the full entry.
0: Listen, I made this armlet to help you in your quest. Will you help me in mine? I remember a woman from my first life. I remember she was mine. My love. My wife. And I was hers. Her love. Her wife. I remember nothing else except the hole in my heart. I live in hope that she, too, has been reincarnated somewhere on this new earth. I built this armlet with a Neuromech trawl. It will scour whatever mind it touches, flesh or machine, for any hint of my beloved. The Troll will drink power to feed you, and if anyone you touch has seen my wife, the Troll will know. If, only and ever if, I have remembered her truly."
1: A quick explanation on what Neuromech trawl means. This concept refers to a mechanism through which specific brain patterns are sought. Using physical acts of connection as a catalyst, an attack is initiated, invading the mind of whomever is touched, flashing through stored memories for the designated target patterns. If those patterns are discovered, the wielder or creator of the armlets would be notified in some unspecified manner that their victim harbored memories of an encounter with their prey. This, in turn, would provide a clue to the current location and status of the target, allowing hunters to narrow their search parameters. And so we come to our main focus, the name Karnstein. Before we go exploring, we need to get the lay of the land. When we speak of Karnstein, there is one primary source which requires our attention, the 1872 novella Carmilla, written by Joseph Sheridan Le Fanu. Portrayal of Carmilla here falls within traditional restrictions of vampirism. Note here, while a more recognized title within vampiric fiction, Dracula, wouldn't be seen on shelves until 1897, whereas Carmilla arrived a full 26 years prior in 1872. Overt in its portrayal of a romantic desire between antagonist and a young female protagonist, Carmilla hides a deadlier, darker truth behind a thin veneer of love. Where Dracula presents a monster who preys on xenophobia, Carmilla plays on dangers present within female sexuality, and and not just general sexuality, but a non-procreative lesbian sexuality which eliminates any need for male participation both present commentary on social issues via their respective mythos dracula around terrifying concepts of the other and carmilla around male immateriality along with female indomitability. one connection in particular to carmilla exists in the item's flavor text which comes from the fourth chapter here laura speaks of an encounter with carmilla
2: sometimes after an hour of apathy my strange and beautiful companion would take my hand and hold it with a fond pressure, renewed again and again, blushing softly, gazing in my face with languid and burning eyes, and breathing so fast that her dress rose and fell with the tumultuous respiration. It was like the ardor of a lover. It embarrassed me. It was hateful and yet overpowering. And with gloating eyes, she drew me to her. And her hot lips traveled along my cheek in kisses, and she would whisper, almost in sobs,
0: "You are mine. You are mine. You shall, you shall be, mine. be mine. And, and you, you and I you and I are one forever.":
1: We'll dig into the tone you hear there in just a moment. Allow me to offer quickly a better understanding of the overall context to provide a clearer appreciation of Laura's predicament. Even by today's standards, Carmilla is a tale of explicit seduction. Carmilla's manipulative nature stands out due to its excessive abusiveness towards her victims. Laura notes complicated emotions felt in response to Carmilla's presence, her undeniable desire to remain with her new companion in conflict with a sense of self-preservation pushing her to get away.
2: I experienced a strange, tumultuous excitement that was pleasurable even and Anon, mingled with a vague sense of fear and disgust. I had no distinct thought about her while such scenes lasted, but I was conscious of a love growing into adoration, and also of abhorrence. This, I know, is a paradox, but I can make no other attempt to explain the feeling.
1: In response to this sense of confusion, Carmilla continues to psychologically assault Laura. In the sixth chapter, after a small confrontation between Carmilla and Laura's father, Carmilla responds to Laura's request for Carmilla's trust with...
0: You do not know how dear you are to me, or you could not think any confidence too great to look for. The time is very near when you shall know everything. You will think me cruel... Very selfish. But love is always selfish. The more ardent, the more selfish. How jealous I am, you cannot know. You must come with me, loving me to death. Or else hate me, and still come with me, and hating me through death and after. There is no such word as indifference in my apathetic nature.
1: Carmilla here portrays a coldness beyond her years and an abject absence of allowance for her victim to experience even the least ray of hope of escape. Within the embrace of a vampire, after all, there is no light. There is only the cold darkness of eternal unlife. With the tones mentioned here, let's listen to the item text once more. Pay in mind to the shift in tone provided by this new context.
0: Listen. I made this armlet to help you in your quest. Will you help me in mine? I remember a woman from my first life. I remember she was mine. My love. My wife. And I was hers. Her love. Her wife. I remember nothing else except the hole in my heart. I live in hope that she, too has been reincarnated somewhere on this new earth. I built this armlet with a neuromic trawl. It will scour whatever mind it touches, flesh or machine, for any hint of my beloved. The trawl will drink power to feed you, and if anyone you touch has seen my wife, the trawl will know. If, only and ever if, I have remembered her truly.
1: Do you hear it? That slight undercurrent of possession? So I ask again, how do we know the object of desire, the wife they claim to have lost, wishes to be found? Within the novella, Carmilla comments on the eternity of her ownership over Laura's soul and body.
0: But to die as lovers may, to die together, so that they may live together.
1: This goes back to a core component of vampiric mythos, the concept of immortality at a cost of their morality vampires undergo a metamorphosis into a supernatural abomination a monstrous creature of unspeakable power paying for their cursed gifts through the consumption of life force from those around it similar to the hives yearning hunger for light these creatures require consumption of another's energy to empower themselves So how do we know the prey sought is a willing participant within this relationship? How can we guarantee the woman sought wishes to be found? How do we know we are not merely another component in an elaborate trap? I personally find the possible connection to the myth of Carmilla as a way to continue the tale intriguing. Following the conclusion of the novella, the idea that one of the risen could be the figure of a vampire or at least a figure which inspired the literary figure of a vampire, is amazing. Ignoring the obvious situation of time past, the relationship detailed within Carmilla is explicit in the domination of one personality over that of another. The abuse and trauma caused by this domination resonates throughout the tale. Indeed, even if this Risen is not THE legendary Carmilla, the reference here is, for me, difficult not to make. We know that, even at the end, when the threat of her was gone, Laura continued to fear for her safety, convinced that it would only be a matter of time until her abuser returned to continue subjecting her to those dark desires and attentions. This in my opinion takes the romantic idea of a lover crossing the tides of time and the barrier of death to be reunited, and perverts it into a situation where an abuser won't allow their victim to escape. An idea of a driven lover is mutated into that of an obsessed stalker, a figure who will not, who cannot, allow their fixation to exist without them. Such a person needs to dominate, to control everything in their victim's world. In a similar vein to that of a vampiric embrace, such an abuser literally siphons away their victim's lifeblood. Through the domination of the other, an abuser gains power. They gain life through draining and domination of another this novella historically presents the first character in literature described as an occult detective baron vordenberg an authority on vampires becomes involved with the group after discovering the sordid history of his ancestor with countess karstein before she died and became undead armed with his ancestors notes vordenberg provides a key figure in locating and destroying the vampiric countess in light of this character i ask what role do we play here? Are we bait for this Carmilla, searching for potential victims and drawing them in close for the kill, similar to the mysterious mother figure? Or will we align with the hunter figure of Vordenberg, learning of the darkness and making a point to locate, exhume, and execute the monster driving us onward? Benefits granted to guardians who don these armlets are noteworthy as well. Upon a successful melee strike, Vampire's Caress activates, granting increased resilience and mobility in addition to highlighting injured enemies. Fatal melee strikes activate an additional benefit of interest here. Following a successful melee kill, a significant portion of health returns, consumption of a life generating a beneficial influx of energy for the killer. Upon activation, the gauntlets sprout blood-red claws and shimmer with an infernal coloring. Combined with its naming and effects, one can see where a strong connection to vampiric themes are confirmed in many minds. Connection not as a hunter, but rather as a monster. And before we entertain arguments from more optimistic minds, let me share this note, a fitting presentation of just how manipulative vampiric figures can be. This note comes from Laura in the final chapter after Carmilla's expulsion.
2: (laughs) The vampire is prone to become fascinated with an engrossing vehemence resembling the passion of love by particular persons. In pursuit of these, it will exercise inexhaustible patience and stratagem, for access to a particular object may be obstructed in a hundred different ways. It will never desist until it has satiated its passion and drained the very life of its coveted victim. But it will, in these cases, husband and protract its murderous enjoyment with refinement of an epicure, and heighten it by the gradual approaches of an artful courtship. In these cases, it seems to yearn for something like sympathy and consent.
1: After all, what would garner more sympathy than one who had crossed oceans of time to find their beloved? In regards to the wife search for, if one starts the theory of the Countess Karnstein as creator of these armlets... I I'll let Laura speak for herself on what she feels and thinks.
2: I write all of this you suppose with composure, but far from it. I cannot think of it without agitation. Nothing but your earnest desire, so repeatedly expressed, could have induced me to sit down to a task that has unstrung my nerves for months to come, and reinduced a shadow of the unspeakable horror which, years after my deliverance, continued to make my days and nights dreadful, and solitude insupportably terrific. It was long before the terror of recent events subsided, and to this hour the image of Carmilla returns to memory with ambiguous alternations. Sometimes the playful, languid, beautiful girl. Sometimes the writhing fiend I saw in the ruined church. And often from a reverie I have started fancying I heard the light step of Carmilla at the drawing room door.
1: Trauma lingers. Laura in here notes how even with the knowledge of carmilla's death her mind continues to plague her with the fear that her tormentor will one day return so remember the next time you strike down an opponent with the armlets in searching for the prey of our carmilla we could well be doing little more than enabling an abuser and discovering where their victim has escaped to tread carefully for if you do not we could see the realization of laura's fear carmilla's return this time with the help of an undead army of guardians and the re-establishment of her domination over Laura. This Focus Fire Chat Snapshot was produced and written by me, BlueCrew86. Vocal assistance was provided by Green-Eyed Music Lover and Kashin, with research assistance by fellow members of the lore network Rhino666 from DestinyArmoryDefined.com and Unisys12. Music was from the amazing Kevin McLeod over at Incompetech.com. For more information like the details discussed here, please be sure to visit thelorenetwork.com and let us know your thoughts and any comments through the site or by leaving us a review on whichever podcasting app you enjoy listening to us through. Feel free to provide ideas or requests for future snapshots through our email at focusfirechat at gmail.com or through the contact form that can be found on our site. Thank you for your time. And until next time, remember, with wisdom, we conquer. Stand strong. Stand tall and keep exploring.